What, you want to learn something? Yes, I do. What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right, here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Who? The man. Oh, you don't know the man? Oh, well, he's everywhere. In the White House, down the hall, Miss Mullins. She's the man. And the man ruined the ozone, and he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped Shamu and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV! So don't waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome because the man's just going to call you a fat, washed-up loser and crush your soul. So do yourselves a favor and just give up! Oh. Mr. Schneebly, it's after 10. On Tuesdays, the children have music class now. Right, okay. Uh... Good work, people. We will continue with our lecture on the man when we return. Have a good music class. The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. So, uh, it's a brand new era, my friends. It's a brand new day. (laughs) Gabe is 50. Yeah. Gabe, you're 50. That's right. I made it to 50. That's it's a, a new milestone. day. I don't want to hear your bullshit anymore. You'll hear you're it. Not, you're on the same side. You're over here. There's nowhere for you to go. <laughs> you're the same age. That's it. You're close to 52 now. It was a glorious day when you turned <laughs> 50, and I am glad I was there to see it. Man, it was good. After all the shit talking you've done? Well... Once you get to 52, though, you'll be closer to 55 than I am to 50, and now we're getting there. Well, no. Here's what you don't understand. I turned 50 during quarantine, and we all decided that the big birthdays during quarantine, they don't count. So I'm still 50. We're the same age, buddy. So you're fucked. No, that means I'm 49 still. No, no, no. no. You didn't have a big (laughs) birthday during quarantine, during the, the, the time suck that uh, during the life suck that quarantine was. Yeah, so we right. all decided that if you turned a big 5-0 or a big 4-0 or a big 6-0, it didn't count. It's you like, turned 49, that doesn't fucking, that doesn't matter. Who cares about that? So you and I are the same age. And it's going to be that way unless there's another quarantine that comes along. So you're saying that people who had a, birth, a big birthday during COVID, it's almost like if you were born on February 29th in a leap year. Like it doesn't 
That's kind of what I'm saying. I think that's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't don't really want to do the math right now, but I think that's kind of what I'm saying. No, I was saying to Gabe that out of the three of us, I'm the one who has had the least amount of activity over the last week. But I, and so I can't, I can't come over here and say how exhausted I am, but I'm exhausted. I don't know how the two of you are still standing. And actually, by the time people listen to this, not only is Gabe in his 50s, but you're going to be a married man when people hear this. A married man. Welcome to the club. I've been really tired lately, and uh, I thought Mm -hmm. it was just because, you know, the tour is over Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's all catching up on me. But I'm starting to wonder if it's, you know, the long COVID or not, you know? Uh, I've been hearing stories about people being tired afterwards. I was like, whatever. And then it hit me. I was like, wow, I, I can't stay awake. And like every time I get up to do something simple, I'm like, oh, my God, this is exhausting. And I, I think like when we were on tour, uh, especially that last week, I just ignored it. And uh, I don't know. It's really, really caught up to me. But uh, well, I mean, so you're saying that at the end of a, at the end of a final week of a tour, you don't usually feel this tired? I feel exhausted, you know, and I, I crash usually pretty hard. But, uh, you know, it's not like walking up the steps makes me feel like crazy. You know, something something is up. I mean, this the stories might be real. Uh, so, I mean, it can't last forever, can it? No. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody I don't know, knows. dude. If you're a COVID long hauler and you were COVIDing during the three shows I saw, well, God bless you because you didn't look like you were suffering. That, that was a good show. The Metro was a good show. It was probably one of the best shows we've ever played. It was. Uh, it was one of those things where I was like, after it was over, you know, like when you look down, you've eaten an entire pizza. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck happened? Who did this? Hey, Gabe. Yes. You've got a... Uh, looks like you're all set up. Looks like you're back in business. Gabe is back. I've got Gabe my back. shelf back there. The only thing I don't have is my turntable. I didn't, I'm didn't. i not going to get that plugged in. But the two records I have behind me, Seven Seconds, The Crew, which features the song Young Until I Die, mm-hmm. and E-Trope, Amnesty. Zoe Trope. That too. Uh, we're gonna get to the bottom of that eventually, but not yet. But I think we, I think we did. No, we need you to know, talk to the source. I Francis Ford l- Coppola, Gabe. How, uh, how did your scenes go? How did you feel that went? I nailed it. What are you talking about? <clears throat> I had two scenes. One of them I had to improvise. I felt like I was on Kirby Enthusiasm. Oh yeah. My yeah. my, my uh, counterpart, uh, who I found out at the very second when he walked up to me when we were shooting, Mike McIntyre, was supposed to give me a credit card, and he gave me cash. And I had to think on my feet, and I I, I nailed that scene. Well, you both had scenes with Mike McIntyre. Oh. You had a scene with Mike McIntyre, Ben? I did. Mike McIntyre was smoker number two, and I was smoker number three. One and done. What? You're seen? One and done? One and done. A few of us got to do two takes. Not me. But I do remember, I, so 10 minutes before Gabe was supposed to do his last scene, or the scene with Mike, where he 
has to stop in the middle of a transaction to run up to right. be on stage. Gabe comes to me and he says, who's playing the customer? Because we never ran through this. And I said, "We, you didn't? He said, no. Uh, they they ran the first part of this scene, but whoever was supposed to come up and buy something for me, that never happened. And they never followed me up to the stage. We haven't done any of this. And then I was running around trying to find out who that was supposed to be. And then Mike no, it did Mike. it. But Mike didn't seem to think he was the one, and he like he Mike had run through the first half of the scene with uh, with Gabe. Like Mike walked into the merch room, but in that run through during Radke, they never did any of that, right, Gabe? No, we never exchanged that. I I, I didn't I didn't run through that. Well, it's on the page, and that's the way it happened. <laughs> yeah. It was in the script. Yes, it was in the script. So Mike walks in, and he, and he goes up to you and. And, uh, you know, he actually wasn't. Right. There was supposed he, to be somebody else there yeah. doing Mike it. Mike stepped was just, in. He was watching the, the, transic- the yeah. transaction. So Mike is actually, was the transaction is what you're saying, Gabe. That's correct. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. What are you eating? I had to get some pizza on the fly over here. I bought a uh, frozen pizza. Oh, yeah? From who? Albertsons <laughs> grocery store out here. You can tell. <laughs> tell I'm the story. Tell the story about being at the post office and what happened to oh you. Oh my there. god! You gotta be kidding me. Uh, I'm in California. Okay. Yes. It's it's wow, out there. It's out of the bag. It's out there. Oh, it, it, talk about a brand new gay. I mean, brand new day. <laughs> so. I'm doing my business because now GNP is back in business and I'm shipping out stuff. I got like, you know, my car's full of stuff. I got three trips to the line of the post office and I'm standing there with all these boxes and this lady walks in. I'm at the post office. It's like noon and she goes, does anybody here want tamales? And I look around like, hold on a second. Is this just happening? I said, do you have vegetarian? What are the chances she's going to have vegetarian tamales? She goes, oh, uh, yes, I'd I got say about 75%. <laughs> She says, "Yes, I got him." I said, "How much?" She goes, six for you know for twelve." I'm like, "Well, of course I'll take all six, but I mean, you know, what are the, this, is this my birthday all over again? What's going on here?" Six for twelve bucks. They were fat. They were the fat tamales, not the skinny ones. The fat ones. You got fleeced. No, no, no. I mean, it's 2021 now. You can't get them a dozen for twelve bucks anymore. You you get half of that. Hmm. But they were amazing. They were great. Good. And she comes there every Monday, and I'm, and I got her number. Now you will too. Oh yeah, you got her number. <laughs> I got her number. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna be on the list. Did she have any salsa for you, or? Uh, I green. probably should have asked for green sauce, but uh, green. you know, I don't want to get too greedy. You know, tamales. It, it it takes a long time to get your hookup for tamales, and I got it. Well, it should have. She should have had at least one thing in the bag, right? Nope. There's one thing of green in the bag. Uh, I didn't ask her. She's not like the tamale guy in, in Chicago. Okay. Were they warm and ready to eat, or did you have to heat them up? No, they were warm and ready to eat. I took them home. I, I surprised my wife and said, guess what, honey? I got some tamales. <laughs> guess what? You're going to watch me eat all these tamales. No, she had some. Surprise. <laughs> so not only am I back in the saddle with getting GMP orders out again with the hoodies and this, all that stuff, the mixtape, I got tamales. I'm wow, in California. Gary. The worm has turned for you. See, I told uh, you 50 would be, wouldn't be be so bad. So far, so good. So far, so good. I feel I feel older. 
My body's a little tired from the traveling, but it, it, I'm starting to like the 50s. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> he's four days in, and he's like, yeah, this is good. This is so, good. So far, so good. Don't knock it, don't knock it till you try it, I say. So, Ben, uh, your yeah. scene went well. I don't know about you, that. No, I, I've heard some reports. Well, I mean, how was your line? Can you give I, us give us a reading on your line? I how did you, how did you do it? Just well, I'll tell you this. So I'm I'm hanging out backstage, talking to my scene partners, and mm-hmm. Scott walks over, and he's like, "I want you know." He's he's talking he's talking about our motivations, and he wants to hear me do the line. I think I did the line for you two times. Yeah, that day, and both times it was terrible. And then you explained to me what you were thinking, which was much more of a dazed and confused kind of a stoner thing, which made sense because although I was smoker number three, I was actually using what they call a vape pen. Yeah, what the kids call a vape pen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it made sense. But I don't think I got properly. I don't think I did the proper. I think I hammed it up. What you did. How'd you do it? Oh, please tell me you didn't ham it up. I don't know about it. I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck I did. But give us, I give us I the reading. Said, "Wait, high five and motherfucker is political." I thought I was about Bruce Springsteen. That's good. If that's what that's you did, did that's good. Okay. Well, what did you? That's hear? not hammed up. Well, I thought you hammed up would be wait. High fiving motherfucker is political. Oh, I thought it was about Bruce Springsteen. Hello, everybody. That's hamming up. Here's the thing. I've never in my life said Bruce Springsteen. You only if you're from New York, you only ever say Springsteen. You don't you don't bother with the Bruce thing. So well, I was then already, you should have just said Springsteen. I should have, I know. See, the part was written uh for you to do whatever you wanted with it. Well, that was not conveyed to me. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I said it over and over and over. I'll tell you what, I was in a panic because here's the thing. Like I don't want to be a Budinsky and I don't really wanna like act like a jackass with any with Felix or any of the crew but when we but. did the run th- but when we did the run through during Radkey Felix and company had all three of us smokers start off in the in the main room in the metro and all three of us walk out together like we no. all knew each other and do the whole scene and then all three of us walk back into the no. club and i knew none of that was right and I, but I didn't say anything. Well, we all tried to like wave at Felix and say, hey, hey, I don't think this is what we're supposed to be doing. But they were like laser focused and not wanting to hear from us. So then after we did that run through, I conferred with my scene partners, Mike. And do you know who the other guy is? I can't remember his name. He seemed like a yes. real actor. Jake. Jake. Jake, the actor, theater right. guy. And right. I said, I don't think that was right. Do you? And they're like, no, we weren't supposed to do it that way. And then I was like, okay, I think we should talk to. And they were both like, but, you know, whatever. Maybe it's changed. And I'm like, I don't think so. So I went over to Felix. And I really was like, didn't want to mention it to him. But I was like, Scott's going to be pissed if we do this thing all wrong. And so I said, Felix, I don't think we were supposed to start out. We're supposed to be outside when this scene starts. And this dude just shows up. And we're already smoking. We don't know each other. And that's. Half the point of the scene is just random assholes smoking together and getting into an argument. And he said, no, no. And he consulted the script and he's like, oh, I see what you're saying. And um, and then we went and consulted you and you backed me up. So I, 
I felt. No, no, that's not what I was getting. What I was oh. getting was that you were saying we should all walk <laughs> down together because we're all friends because he doesn't have, Jake doesn't have anybody to go, hey, I'm going to go no, and, no, and no, smoke no, with. No, no. So no, we no, should no, all walk no. down together. It sounded like you were just trying to get more screen time, Ben. <laughs> no. And so... How dare you? So I was like, look, Ben, you've got one line. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I've got a lot to do tonight. I've got 506 shots to get mm-hmm. in four hours. Please don't make my life any harder. That's what I thought was happening. Are you saying, Ben, that that's mm-hmm. not what was happening? I'm, I'm, uh, it was your night. Whatever you think was happening was happening. If I was the asshole, so be it. <laughs> hey, everybody. A- it's Matt Radke. What's going on? <laughs> so you guys are home now, Matt? <clears throat> we are home. That's good. You had one, one last show after you played with us at the Metro, and then you yes. went home. Yep. Yep. How do you feel? Uh, I feel I've got some fall allergies going on, so... Yeah? Just got sick just when I got home, so... You sure it's not the COVID? Not too bad. It might be. <laughs> we'll wait a couple of days and test again and see what happens. Well, I was How anybody walked away from the metro without COVID, I will never know. Not that people weren't masked and everything, but I mean, that place was packed. It was packed. It was a good show. We, we, um, we got our money's worth and extras at that show. And they paid us. Yes, which is, which is what's so good about it. So I was trying to—I was going to have somebody from the Radke team on this show, post the tour, uh, and I was trying to figure out who it should be. And then I was like, it should be you, because you're not in that Dave Grohl movie, right? <laughs> I am in it actually. Oh, you are in it. I am. Oh, he talks to you a bit. A uh, little bit. Little okay. Bit. All right. Well, I didn't right. know I would be in it, but I was in it. Yeah. Okay. What, what 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 do you guys talk about? Uh, he just asked me like how many miles we're gonna put on the van, something like that. <laughs> That's about it. Okay. All right, we won't talk about the van. Stock then. question. Yeah. yeah just a van, just a van question. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is, every time Radke plays. All right, and so f- for people that don't know, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that uh, the band that we just went on tour with, Radke. Uh, their dad is their manager, tour manager, uh, right? All of the above, yeah. All, all of the above. <clears throat> so, um, so every time they go on stage, I watch you because, right. like, you just kind of like hover over the proceedings like some god with your arms crossed, and you just watch over the whole thing, and you're very. There's a, a, a pride I'm detecting, uh, and there's also, also a sense of like you watching to make sure nobody fucks with anybody, nothing goes wrong. Right. I mean, w- what's all going through your head w- when they start playing? Uh, just watching people. Early, actually, our first tour, we did a show at, uh, at a club in New Orleans called Siberia, maybe, or Siberian. And a guy tossed a knife at D during the set. Mm. And I was back at the merch, and a guy from the band we were on the road with actually <clears throat> intervened, and the club kicked the guy out. For some reason, gave the guy his knife back, which I don't understand how that works. No. But ever since then, I've kind of been on edge just watching, you know, and trying to keep an eye on people that I might want to pay a little extra attention to and stuff like that. I just don't have sometimes. Do they seem to attract that kind of 
nonsense? Uh, not not too often. Every once in a while you get somebody, but but not too often. Well, every every once in a while you put on the the mat the uh, cat mask, but right, that, that right. didn't seem to really stick. What, what was going on with that? Uh, we're kind of still working that out. Kind of comes and goes. Do you trying to be Eddie? Eddie with it? Doing a lot of (laughs) feline Eddie. Uh, No, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe at some point we call him Shit Phillips. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not too much Shit Phillips action yet. So, were you in bands growing up? I mean, it seems like you know you're pretty comfortable on the road. I mean, where did you where did you learn your craft? Okay, well, my grandfather was a professional wrestler. In the 50s and 60s. So I think the road is from him. Uh And he also played pretty much any instrument he would pick up he could play. So I had a very musical family on my mother's side. Uh, My mother and her grandfather. What what was your grandfather's wrestler name? Uh, His wrestling name was Thor Thor Hagen. Thor (laughs) Hagen. The Flying Viking was his name. Okay. Do you know that one, Gabe? No, but I'm going to look it up while we're talking. Okay. But yeah, uh, so and then uh, my my mother and her siblings had a like a Christian psych rock band in the seventies that was pretty terrible. That there is a seven inch out there somewhere circulating around. What were they called? They were called Isaiah. Oh Jesus! Yeah. It's so just, I always like the name better. Isaiah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you learned all that from them. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That's music was always in the house. Like I and said, that, my grandfather played everything, and my my mom and her siblings. And that was in St. Joe. Wow, uh, that was in Kansas City. Okay. We moved to end up moving to St. Joe when I was probably three or four, permanently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a wrestling promoter in St. Joe. That's how they ended up. The family ended up in St. Joe. Thor Hagen. Finishing move was the reverse step over toe hold. He was also uh, called the Flying Viking. <laughs> wow. Did you learn any wrestling moves? Do, can you use I did. I, he, he taught us how to uh, amateur style wrestling when we were kids. So we were thrown into that at a very, very young age. So I was that close to getting a chokehold put on me. The entire tour. <laughs> I was that fucking close. Just that close. Oh, Jesus. Well, I'll have to be more careful next time. So that, that was it. It was wrestling. It wasn't growing up being in punk rock bands or anything? No, I had, I had friends in bands, and I would like help design merch and, and kind of help them book shows and stuff like that. So I, I definitely had a little bit of experience in that. And what but, were you listening? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, all kinds of things. Just... Uh, Growing up, super Christian, so go to a friend's house and, you know, listen to ACDC records and stuff like that and branching out like, oh, this is this is where the good music's at, so. And you weren't, you weren't allowed to bring it home? Uh, not really. Did bring it home, but uh, luckily parents didn't pay much attention to what we were bringing in the house, so <laughs> that's kind of how that worked. Right, right. Ah, wow, I'm 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 surprised. So you, you're like just doing merch for other bands? Yeah, doing just uh, designing merch and flyers and kind of helping out here and there. So who designed the uh, Radkey logo? Uh, my brother actually designed the Radkey logo. With I kind of said, "Hey, what if we put a key in that D?" And he made it happen. 
<laughs> and then people go like, oh, you just stole the Scorpions logo. It's like, no, that's actually the inspiration for that is from Rollerball. That's where I first saw that. Yes. That font. Yes. So it's Rollerball, not Scorpions. Sorry, Scorpions. So then when did you meet the guys in Radkey? <laughs> well, I met D first. Yeah. Uh, met his mother uh, working at Walmart. And he you just, were working at Walmart or she was? I was working at Walmart. We both okay. were. Oh, yeah. And uh, he had just been born a couple months earlier. And then I met him and I've known him since he was about four months old. Yeah. <clears throat> and then came the bass player and the drummer to follow. <laughs> <laughs> so at, at what point, uh, what, what came first? The idea for the band or the homeschooling? Uh, we were... We were homeschooling, and then uh, when I brought home School of Rock, that's when the idea was planted in their head that, hey, let's start a band. Okay. All right. So, so that's when that started. Why the homeschooling? What led to that? Uh, just because this, the school system in St. Joe was really shitty. Yeah. And it's like really, severely overcrowded classrooms. I mean, it would be like 30 kids at least a class, and just you're just not going to learn you know, in that kind of situation. So it wasn't any kind of religious thing or anything like that. It was just like, hey, I think we can teach our kids better at home. Right. At least for a while until they decide they want to go to school or not and let them make that decision. Was D, in, was D in school? That's how you found out it was so fucked up? Or, or uh, Yeah, he was. He, he, he was at first in kindergarten. And it was like, man, this is just kind of crazy. And <clears throat> he can get easily distracted. And What kind of prep did you and your wife do to become homeschool teachers like how seriously did you take it uh, there, there were a lot of curriculums available online and we just found the one that seemed the most you know user friendly and she did the the lion's share of that and then i would just do the the more fun subjects yeah what were your subjects so, uh mine was like music and and some some history and and then of course you know we would watch tons of movies and I would suggest books <laughs> That's the best homeschool all I've these different things oh yeah damn it why didn't I have it homeschool shit well it seems to me like the band wouldn't have happened without the homeschooling like it's probably all not baked in the cake you know like this and, and you guys have embraced that idea you know you have songs about it and shit like that right yeah I just I just had a I had a guitar playing around and and D messed with it a little bit and then he started showing some interest in wanting to play drums so we got him a drum his first little drum kit and got him a couple lessons and then after the second lesson I think it was he didn't want to learn about music theory he just wanted to play the drums mm -hmm. and it kind of just burned him out so then he went to the guitar and was done with the drums forever then Isaiah decided he wanted to play bass didn't want had no interest in the drums and then Saul Tried other things, but the drums is where he fit in, so it kind of worked out to have a three-piece that way. Right. All right, little brother, you've got to do this. Right. right. And Dee actually got a... There was someone that I worked with that had a local cover band. They needed a bass player to fill in, so I, D filled in with them. So his actual gig was with like this, this cover band in St. Joe at a bowling alley, his first gig. And the band was really upset when D wasn't going to stay with them. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's like he's 16 and you're like, you're all 50. What do you, I don't know what you think is going to happen, but I think he's going to try something else. Right. What are, the, what are the age differences between the brothers? Two years each. And so D was 15 or 16 when he 
when he got at that first gig playing bass? Oh man, he was probably he was probably fifteen or sixteen. And so, and then the other kids were already playing instruments at that point too. Starting to, starting to. They 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 really got into it when they were about probably two thousand between two thousand nine two thousand ten when they really started practicing and they made all these agreements with with each other just saying like hey we we won't get christmas presents if we don't practice at least 15 minutes every day and they're the ones that that taught themselves and you know i never pushed or anything it was always them and i said i'll just support you any way i can and i had friends that had like i said had bands so i started accumulating information about you know booking shows and and all that kind of stuff and told them i'll deal with all the bullshit you guys just write the music and play it and do the fun stuff. Right. So they put the Which, pressure on themselves. Right. Uh, what was that thing you were talking about? The, the homeschooling rock and roll thing or something? What, what was that? Because that, you said that was the light bulb that went off for the band. School uh, of Rock. They, School, of, School, of, School rock. of Rock. Yeah, School of Rock with Jack Black. I brought that home and I just kind of turned the light bulb on like, hey, we want to be in a band. Right, right. That they told me about that. Yeah. That was their Linklater movie. That, yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so, then, so they saw School Rock, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Let's have a band." That was it. Right, and then they were like, "Hey, do you have, you know, do you have this song? Do you have this song?" And you know, yeah, that's all in, you know, in my music collection. They say they started digging in and you know, picking, cherry picking what they liked and what they didn't like. <laughs> that's great. It was pretty interesting. That's that's great. I think for Isaiah's eleventh birthday, he had the cover uh, for Van Halen's second album as his birthday cake. So he was huge in the Van Halen there in the early days. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like Michael Anthony for life. Right. <laughs> well, he, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, a little, a little bit. A lot, 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 lot of Angus Young in there somehow. However, that works with a bass player, but. When was that? Yeah, I mean, but he seems to have grown into that. Like, I don't remember that being like that. Seems to be a role that he's sort of like just uh, just dove into headlong. Mm -hmm. Like every absolutely seems like comic books are a big influence on the guys, and and being a character is equally important. That each of them is their own type of character, almost like the Ramones. Right. Right. How did that come about? Just uh, organically? They, they, yeah, they all just had really, you know, big imaginations. They they would like make their own comic books as kids and coming up with all these different stories. And and they would they were into to reading and and which was great because as a kid, uh, my uncle had stored a bunch of boxes of books at my house and records. So I would go down and dig through his books, and it was it would be like you know. John Carter books or, or whatever oh, sci-fi yeah. and, then I, and then I would get into the Cheech and Chong records and all this different stuff as a kid you know and so I kind of passed that on to them those John Carter books always had the best covers yes yeah Princess of Mars was yeah really cool oh, yeah and you like the the, the nudity like we just <laughs> right right what was her what was her name Deja Thoris was that, was that what her name was the mm. Princess of Mars I would have to look. It's something like that. It's been so long since. But I've whoever those. drew those those covers, it was like it was like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is yeah. I know a 
guy named Boris did some of the some of the art for some of that stuff back in the the Conan days when those movies right. were coming out. Well, and Boris did all to, that Conan stuff. Right. I would I'm go not to the sure who and did all the, his stuff. I'm not sure who did the John Carter stuff, but they were hot. Yeah. Those were hot. <laughs> they were. They were yeah, the, the Boris stuff was more like you'd see on a conversion van on the yeah. side of it back in the day. Exactly. When was that first show that you guys played with us at Record Bar? I mean, how long have you guys been going before uh, that point? Probably, probably about a year, I think. Yeah. Before that happened, yeah. We had that first show with Fishbone, which was the very first show. Which how is, did that happen? We backed into that. A friend of mine said that Fishbone had a show when the, the first of three bands had dropped off and they're looking for a band, so I hit up the promoter. And he just asked if you play original music and do you have 30 minutes worth of songs, which we didn't. But I said, yes, he never mm -hmm. asked. If we had played a show before. He never, never asked their ages, didn't ask anything. So we just kind of showed up and it kind of happened. What'd they think? Uh, they loved it. Yeah. I mean, they, they, their first show was a sold out fishbone show. And of course, then it's like, oh my God, you know, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, all our shows are going to be sold out, and this is going to be, this is going to be incredible. <laughs> right. and then the next show, there's five people, and they got that reality check, but then they want to keep chasing that first show, you know, with a packed house and people that were really into it. Yeah. That's how you get them hooked. Angelo gave them some advice that they wouldn't last, so don't get too wrapped up in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Hey, kids, don't waste your time. Yeah. So like, then that right. was a year later, and you guys played that show with us at Record Bar. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was about a year later. Because I remember you guys sound checking, and and then I went back downstairs, and I grabbed Brian. I was like, you should come up and check this out. It was like right away. I was like, this is, this is pretty good. And he came up, and Brian never gave a fuck about who we right. were playing with. You know, he was like, whatever. And then he was like, hmm, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, and then like immediately... He was like into everything that that uh, Radke was doing, um, but it seemed like r right from the jump that you guys were there, that that everything was kind of gelled. You know? Yeah, I mean, we we were literally playing as many shows as we, as we possibly could in KC and Lawrence just just to get stage time and to get experience. I mean, a lot of times at Record Bar, the guys would just play for pizza just to get thrown on bills. Mm -hmm. So, and we were totally down to do that. Good pizza, too. Yeah, it was good pizza. Still yeah. is. <laughs> <clears throat> so that that was, what year was that? Like 2000? I think we played with you in 2012. 2012. So, I mean, with so all, all this. years ago. Yeah, with all the stuff that's going on now, it seems to me like people think you guys are fairly a new band and, and oh that's, absolutely that's not yeah right i mean people just mm -hmm. think you just came out and they still think they're teenagers they still think i mean they're 24 26 and 28 so it's 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 been a minute yeah it's hard for me to to sometimes remember that they're not teenagers anymore but i mean there was this point where you guys had this thing going was it with sony yes that was the that was the last label we were we were on. So I mean, read. that was mid 2010s, and like you guys were on your way, and then yes. and then things kind of like fizzled, or you backed away. Like what really happened there? 
Well, we were signed to a label called Another Century, and they were they basically got absorbed by Sony, mm-hmm. and they and and with Another Century things were going great. I mean, they loved the band. They were putting stuff out. They were making things happen. And then as soon as Sony took over and put us on red, it's just like we got put on the shelf and forgotten about. Right. We put out we put out the third the third album, uh, No Strange Cats, and they did this weird waterfall release with the songs. And what does that mis- mean? It's where they just like put out a song like every couple weeks or something uh-huh. like that. And yeah. they 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 miss they mistitled the album. It, the first song was Paw, so they they called it No Strange Cats dot 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 Paw. Then it was No Strange Cats dot 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 this, and then everyone's asking like, Hey, what about that album? That album No Strange Cats dot dot. It's like no, there's no dot 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 anything. It's just No Strange Cats. And it literally took till last year to get that fixed. Finally, once we were off off the label. Well, that wasn't an EP. No, well, it's it's a little short. But it was meant to be an album. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it just seemed like you had everything in place and you had like a booking agent. And then I talked to you one day and you're like, we don't have this booking agent anymore. We're looking for another booking agent. Right. And it just seemed like, I don't want to say everything was going down the drain, but it just seemed like this buzz was starting that you had acquired was starting (laughs) to fizzle out. And I was really worried about that. Right, absolutely. And how did that feel over there? Uh, it felt pretty terrible. We just, we just, I mean, we didn't know how much longer we could keep doing it. I mean, we were touring regionally, and we could, we could do pretty well regionally, but we just had no, no push, no interest. But I'd been keeping all the contacts that we had made over the years with the clubs and the different publications and stuff. So we just started booking shows and reaching out to press on our own and saying, Hey, we don't, we don't really need middlemen to do this for us. We can do this on our own. Right. And even with the festivals and stuff, it's like, we don't have a booking agency, but you know, we still, you know, we still got riot fest and Lollapalooza this year. And so we're we're able to make a few things happen. Yeah. We'll still show up. Yeah. Book us and we will come. Yeah, we will come. So it seems to me like this, uh, Dave Grohl thing happened at the right exact time. Absolutely. But we did it in twenty nine December twenty nineteen. We were on the road. Uh, like I said, uh, we got a message from Jennifer Finch, and she wanted to give us a press contact. And then it ended up being the, the production company doing the documentary. And we did that. And we went and shot it at his studio out in L.A. in December of twenty nineteen. And then the pandemic happens. It was supposed to come out in the spring. Right. Everything gets. We had a whole support tour booked that wasn't announced. So we just had to zip it and not say a word and just hope that it came back around the next year, which luckily it did. With what band? With Foo Fighters. Oh, okay. All right. I thought you were talking about yeah. us. <laughs> well, that, that, was, that was in the works before that even. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's amazing to me because like, even though people don't seem to know that you, you know, quote unquote, paid your dues... And, mm-hmm. and been around a while, like that just happened at 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 the right time, and it, and it right. seemed to re- really work. It worked yeah, so absolutely. well, in fact, that I thought you guys weren't going to go on tour with us. <laughs> no, that was never the plan. We were we were definitely going on tour. Definitely, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was pretty crazy that 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 all worked out and came back, and we got to do that. 
And that was all because of Jennifer. All because of Jennifer, yeah. Nice. You guys were doing some L7 shows? Yeah, we did a couple L7 shows that were great. Last one we did at the Metro, which was really cool. Can't can't believe I didn't see that. Cool to come back. Yeah. Yeah, you remember seeing... Gabe, you weren't at that L7 boat show, were you? I was at the L7 boat show. There's a picture of you, Matt, and Joe at that show, but I'm not in the picture because I took the picture. Oh, okay. Yes. That, that explains there. it. That explains it. Yes. But how about this, uh, Matt? Were you taking care of all the stuff behind the scenes on the Foo Fighters tour, or did you bring some big guns in to take care of things? No, uh, it was. I took my brother with me, but it was just it was just us, and they just uh, they all took care of us. Uh, one of the their drum tech was actually the stage manager for Rise Against when we toured with them a few years ago, so we already knew someone on the crew, which didn't hurt either. So that was nice, someone kind of introducing us to everybody and getting us familiar. But they were just all super nice. They we got to use their front of house and their lights, and it was just like an all star crew that they've gathered over the years. Which was pretty neat. Yeah, and they liked you guys, so they were like, yeah. yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, like their front of house was Depeche Mode's front of house. Uh, Dave's guitar tech was Alex Lifeson's guitar tech. It's like, man, it's just unreal. <laughs> it's like, all right. He can he can fix our guitars. So I Alex Lifeson wasn't there? No, was not there. Damn it. That would have been cool. Yeah, it would have been super cool. Uh, we got to do that forum show as a bonus. That was never in the plans. Oh, right. We just got a random call. Like, hey, do you want to play the forums? Like, fuck yeah, we want to play the forum. That was amazing. Did they get their, their musical tastes from you? Or did they find their own stuff and, and, and then bring that stuff it, to it you and say, Dad, this definitely is... Definitely like. started, started with my stuff. And then they kind of branched out and discovered some things on their own. But but I never said, hey, hey, you know, check this out, check that out. If they ever asked, I would say, hey, if you like this, and you might like that. And then there were some things like, I think uh, D wanted to buy a yellow card CD at one point. I was like, well, you can save up your money and you can buy it. I'm not going <laughs> to buy it for you. But, but if that's what you want, you want to earn the money and buy that, then go for it. So I, I, I would do that every now and then. Like, right. Eh, right. I don't want to fund this. Steer them away. <laughs> yeah. That was like kind of a not, little nudge. Not on my dime, kid. No, no. What, you told me the other day that you guys were out with the Damned? Yeah, we did, a, we did a whole U.S. run with the Damned. What was that like? That was amazing. Yeah? It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Never would have thought that would, that would happen. No. Yeah, there's been, there's been some, show, some stuff like that. And like, just we did that show at, uh, I think you were, you were at the show that we opened for the Stranglers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that that's popped up. Yeah, it seems like the old guys really like like the, the these guys. Yeah, yeah, they definitely what, do. What's up with that? And how, and how does that fuck with their heads, do you think? <laughs> that's a good, I don't think it does. They just, they just enjoy it. And then I'm, I'm seeing these people that I grew up, like Cheap Trick. I mean, I never thought in a million years that my kids would be on stage playing with Cheap Trick. That was just absolutely insane. Yeah. So you're just like proud papa nonstop. Oh, yeah, say. just, just super, just super proud. Yeah. Not and just a. They don't get on your nerves at all. You don't not want to. Really, not really. I mean, they're 
pretty polite guys, which I really <laughs> appreciate. You know, they say please and thank you, and they appreciate things when they get it. And so that's know. not just an act. No, no, not an act. Because I'm convinced this whole thing is just an act. <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't be the first to say that. It's like ah, something's going on. He's 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 pulling the strings behind this whole thing. He's like, no. It's, it's one of those things you couldn't make. You couldn't make this happen on purpose. I don't think. No, it's just it's it's like a god. It's like the goddamn Partridge Family. I mean, it's just crazy. And you're saying like it's all just it just it just happened. Yeah, they just taught themselves how to play and started writing songs, and they figured out, you know, hey, who's going to sing? And then D decided he's going to sing, and Isaiah writes the lion's share of the lyrics, and it just all works out really well. Oh, yeah? I mean, I think the one of the only songs that he didn't write was Song of Solomon, which Solomon pretty much wrote that whole song. Okay, so how— why they called it that. How did that happen? Because he—I I was talking to him. He says he doesn't play guitar, so he played— he, Write it on piano or something? What happened? A lot of times, or, or they would just hum it to D, and D's really quick at just picking it up and, and bringing it to guitar, you know? So they're really cool about that as far as, like, mm-hmm. just putting each other's musical ideas in the pot and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They just all bring their own little thing and say, hey, you know, if we if we don't agree on it, then let's leave it, you know? Let's <sighs> just keep what we all agree on. That's so lucky. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Not, that's not the way it usually is. Hmm. Was there a was there a, was there a specific song that was the first one that they wrote that you heard that you were like oh I think we might actually have something that people will be into was it right from <clears> the was, get-go? There were little elements of, of songs that I would like man that's something there but I think it was Cat and Mouse that was the first one like the fully realized song it was like okay that's I think people are gonna like that and then we were at a uh, like a Japanese steakhouse or something. And Isaiah was going over the the melody to Romance Dawn at the table. And he's like, I need to get up. And he goes to the bathroom on his phone and just, you know, comes back. And then he's starting to work out Romance Dawn, you know. Right. During a meal, he just popped in his head. Right. And that's still the closing song to this day. So Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I was listening to that record today thinking, like, it's second track on the record and... It's still the closing song. It's like yep. that that sticks. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense that he's the main lyricist because there's a lot of superhero stuff going on. Oh yeah, yeah. But so you're you're saying he's not only the lyricist, but he's writing the vocal melodies and he's writing them in his head, not on guitar or anything. Like he, the melodies come to his head and then he runs and grabs and sings into a phone. And that's right. how those songs right. get written. Or uh, it'll be a melody, or it'll be a, it'll be a, just a, a lyric idea, or Saul coming with a drum beat, and they'll just go in and just start start jamming, and then D will come up with like just gibberish lyrics, and then Isaiah will write in ah. lyrics over that. Got so it. D will have the melody, and then Isaiah comes right. with the lyrics. Is right. The, yes. Right. Right. That that happens. Yeah. Right. Good system, man. Yeah, uh, it seems to, it seems to be working. We we got done with the with the tour. Uh, what was it Friday? And I busted out the vinyl that you guys sent me of Green Room, and put on uh, Judy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I started crying, dude. 
man. Started completely crying. I mean, I don't know if it's just the exhaustion of the tour, but I mean, if there was any real uh, justice in this world, that would be a number one tune. You know, that song is just the best. How did that happen? Do you, were you there? Did you hear any of that? Uh, I did. I did hear some of it <clears throat> when that was being done, and in the studio, it was just like hearing it come together was really, really cool. And then how it has that kind of swing beat to it, you know? Yeah. It's really, yeah. really catchy. Yeah, there's something like really, like almost 50s about it, but there's that darkness, you know, when it talks right. about walking into the unknown and stuff like that. It's a really, uh, it's a really sophisticated piece of work. Yeah, yeah and a lot, a lot of the songs Isaiah, I mean, he'll touch upon the, those lean times and we're, you know, not living in the best situations and, you know, there were definitely some dark, dark times on the road. So it's definitely been brightening up over the last couple of years, which has been great. Yeah. Minus the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel like about the pandemic has changed being on the road? Well, I mean, was being on the road because it was kind of, some of it was great and some of it was really tough. Was some of right. it really tough for you? Yeah. The, the tough part is being around big groups of people. That That's the part since we were isolated so long, it was just really bizarre because I, man, it, not that I liked going into like big, like grocery stores and Walmarts and stuff back then, but now it's just that much more intense for me going into those places. Yeah. Are you the one with pre existing conditions that were? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're just worried about that or just, you just, yeah, people, just, just people are being assholes. You know, yeah, just worried about that and people being assholes. And then, like I said, the, the other day, our last show, you know, we have that guy waiting for us at the, at the gig to confront us about our policy about vaccines and tests. And it's like, dude, I thought we made it. I thought we made it all the way through it. And then we got this guy. So that's yeah. pretty crazy. It just yeah. wants to start shit. And was it, was he by himself or is he with his buddy? Uh, he had a buddy with him that just stood there. He had this black dude with him, and I, I kind of think he had him there just in case he could say I wasn't being racist or whatever, you know, kind of right. a, his token black friend. Right, to be here's my friend. I can't be racist. Yeah. Here's my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like we're, we're saying, like those people have been waiting. Like what, what he call he called you guys bigots. Bigots and virtue signalers. Yeah, he called the guys bigots and virtue signalers. And, and, and that's the best thing that's happened to the right to this whole thing is now they get to throw right. bigot around. They've been waiting for years to call other people bigots, and now they've got their chance. Well, as soon as, as, soon as he, he came up, he, he said he wanted to talk to the guys, and I'm kind of leery just because the way he looks. I'm like, this seems weird. Yeah. So I get D and Isaiah come out, and he's like, hey, you know, I've seen you guys, blah, blah, blah. I love the band. You know, so I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's cool. And then he goes, so what's up with this, uh, you know, the COVID testing and the vax and all that? And Isaiah's like, well, we just want to make sure that everyone's safe and keep these people, you know, keep these businesses open. And, he's, and he starts going, safe from what? Mm. And as soon as he said, safe from what? I put my hand on the guys and said, go back in and finish sound checking. It's over. We're done talking to this guy. Right. It's, it's not going anywhere. Right. And yeah. then my brother was super heated, so I'm telling him to go get in the van. Because the guy lets bands park in his lot. So, of course, after he finds out that, you know, we're bigots, you know, I want your fucking shit off my lot now. Oh, is that it's what like, happened? Yeah. It's like, I have zero problem getting off your lot. Jesus. 
good last show, huh? Yeah, yeah. The show was the show was good, but yeah, the the wasn't ready for that right off the bat. I know you guys are big uh, cinephiles. What new movie are you looking forward to? Oh man, uh, it's pretty much Isaiah and I. He definitely got that for me, as far as the the movie stuff. What would uh, you show likes- him? What would you show him when you, he was a kid? Oh man. I would just go through the, the list of things. And then, of course, there's movies like, oh, yeah, there's nudity in that that I forgot about. Like, I would be in the kitchen and I'd hear total silence. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, yeah. <laughs> that's that part of Trading Places that's going right. on right now. <laughs> but, yeah, just, uh, just the, like, I wanted him to see, like, you know, The Godfather and, and Goodfellas and just the... And like the jerk and some of my favorite comedies and raising Arizona and get him in, get him into the Coen brothers and and Sam Raimi and all these different directors that I loved, you know. Right. <clears throat> coming out of the nineties. Right. Eighties into the nineties. Did you see that new Cohen uh Joel Cohen movie coming up with the uh was it Macbeth? Did you see that trailer? No, I have not seen that yet. Looks pretty good. What do you think, Ben? It looks great. Have you seen the trailer for the new Paul Verhoeven movie? No, but I'm down for anything that he Holy does. So I don't need a trailer. Fuck. Fuck a trailer. When you went to see uh, uh, Last Night in Soho, Matt, did they mm-hmm. show the, the trailer that for the new Paul Verhoeven movie? I forget what it's called. Bernadette or something like that? Bernadette Bernadetto or something, right? No, no, they didn't show it. Oh, man. Oh, that looks good. It's like this uh, religious movie. It looks... Fucked up. Well, it's a lesbian nun movie. I don't know about religious. Lesbian nuns. Well, it's about religion, so yeah. It's nuns. Nuns. What do you mean you don't know if it's religion? I don't, I don't know anything. What, <laughs> what about the new Paul about? Thomas Anderson? You, you guys psyched for that? Yeah, Licorice we're very psyched pizza? for that. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm not too crazy about the title. Licorice Pizza? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the title did not did not get me. I think I don't think Licorice Pizza is going to put asses in seats. No, no, no. But that Heim girl will. For me, me and Gabe are going to be first in line. The, we're into the I don't line. know who that is. Who is that? Yes, you do. Heim, do that band that we saw on uh, the Grammys and like together. Oh, okay. I, I one of those three sisters. By the way, that would be a great tour. Radke and Heim, the brothers and the sisters. Three, two, three pieces. I'll, that, I gave you that for free, Matt. You <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we did a couple festival dates with them. Oh, did you? Years ago. Yeah. And they act like real jerks, didn't they? <laughs> no, Shut no. Up, there, 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 there was a band that were real jerks on that tour, Ooh, but it was not Name them. them. Name that band. Uh, they may be from your area. Ooh, uh, Smashing Pumpkins? C-H. C-H. From our area. Champing pumpkins. I believe they were not. They were not. no. Uh, cheap trick. Some, cheap trick. I don't, I don't. I don't know who it was, but it, it was someone from from Chevelle that was very unpleasant. Oh, to oh, oh, oh! You've come to the right place to talk shit about Chevelle. Okay, we're, it's like it's like ninety five <laughs> degrees. We're in tents. This big tent for a green room, and they have this AC being pumped. These two giant tubes into into the tent. Uh-huh. And it's just getting hotter and shit in our room. And I go out, and the Chevelle, someone from the Chevelle camp has taken one of the entire tubes that's like that big around and put it directly into their room only. 
Uh-huh. And it's just like, and then the next day, we're in Germany. Uh, one of them was really upset that there were fake plants in their dressing room, and they're throwing these fake trees and plants out of their just into the hallway, just tall. And it's like, I don't know what's going on over there, but nice. Just, just not, just not a happy bunch, I guess. Listen, if you ever want to have a great time, stay away from Chevelle. <laughs> yeah, that's I learned that. There is no way to have a good time around those guys. Ugh. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> it's just like, uh, uh, I mean, we can go on and on, but what's the point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Really miserable fuckheads. Yeah. Luckily, we haven't had too many encounters with, with bands like that. Or, but that wasn't really personally against us. It was just being being jerks in general. Yeah. Well, you know, some of us can't help it. Some of us are just born jerks. We're not all, you know. Right cool hanging out like under your wing you know we can't all come from the <laughs> same <in> the bubble <laughs> from the same tree <laughs> so what's next what, what are you thinking what are you gonna do uh guys are uh writing now uh they're gonna record a single end of the month and then uh, hopefully have an album out in april jesus what's the rush <laughs> they just they work really well with with a, a deadline yeah under pressure if you, just, if you if you just give them unlimited time things just kind of drift and don't happen but as soon as there's a hard deadline then they put their nose to the grindstone and do it so yeah that makes sense what about uh, thanksgiving what, what are you gonna do for thanksgiving uh thanksgiving that i don't know where are most of the family on my side is pretty much uh those people now the anti-vax yeah 5g all that kind of stuff conspiracy theories so we kind of just do our own thing now <laughs> oh that's kind of sucks but hey yeah I'd rather just not deal with it i hear you i hear you you got a tamale guy out there matt i do not have a tamale guy. There, there is a guy that I'm kind of curious about that hangs out in the Walgreens parking lot that's selling tamales now. Mm-hmm. So that's how they do it. Out. Yeah, yeah. But I have encountered a lot of good tamales on the road. Yeah, where? Where's the best? Uh, best I've had were in El Paso. So. Mm-hmm. I once met a girl in old El Paso. We were just there not too long ago. We had pizza yeah, we in were. El Paso, and it was pretty yeah. good. The pizza in El Paso was good. Where's the best food? Like, when you're on the road, where are you like, oh, we're going there. I can't wait to go there. A couple fish taco spots in Southern California have been really good. Like, Heaven Knows, uh, Tamales, of course. Heaven Knows is the uh, name of the place? No, no. I don't I don't remember the, the name of the spots. Okay. But I know we've had a couple good ones in, in San Diego. Oh, yeah. Those those uh, those taco trucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah those. They're a lot, a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The German yeah, last... German Mariscos taco truck is oh, incredible. Mm. Well, what we'll have to do next year is we'll have to make up those dates we missed and throw in places that we weren't going to go to, like Minneapolis or right. uh, Madison. Madison. You know, Detroit. just like. Yeah, Detroit. Like, hit those places. Make it like a concentrated uh, 
Midwest type of thing. Absolutely. Because that's what I would like to do. Is the Matt, is the band all, are they, is everyone living under one roof still? Uh, Isaiah is currently living with his girlfriend, but everyone else is under one roof. Isaiah. I didn't think he was going to be the first one to break. I know. God. Solomon's the only. He's the lone gunman. He's he's still he's still the one taking the vow. Let's try it. <laughs> the silence on that guy, but all the stuff going on behind the eyes. Like he just oh, sees yeah. everything. He's like, I'm 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 watching you and I'm making notes and I and I'm not forgetting any of it. Yeah, he gets that from me. He just kind of listens to everything and observes and takes it all in and yeah, it's fucking That's unnerving. Yeah. It's scary. It scares the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, is that you who designs the uh, the merchandise? Because one of the bands, you know, I, I see you guys got a, a, a thousand different things for sale, but, you know, you guys come up with some really clever stuff. The, the coolest thing I saw you guys did was, uh, you know, when Local H was touring for the Lifers Retour, we had this mm -hmm. big... This big poster in the backdrop with the two lions facing each other, and it says "Local H Retour," and then you come out with this one with the two cats next to each the other. House cats, yeah, yeah, that was me. That was you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. I do a lot of the a lot of that stuff. A lot of the T-shirt ideas and stuff like that I come up with. A lot of the flyers, like when we were doing all the for one tour, we did all themed cat flyers where I'd take movie posters and put cats in place, which I really enjoyed doing that. One of my favorites was, was the Hitcher with the cat's eyes in the rearview mirror. <laughs> that was really cool. We did a, like three o'clock high, just finding the random, you know, repo man, just putting cat heads on people. Yeah. No, I think we, we definitely have similar sensibilities when it comes to that. Uh, but I remember Gabe was a big fan of that. He's like, look at this. Look what they did. <laughs> I know that they, they they stole your idea and made it their own by using cats instead of lions. I mean, it was just so in, so genius. I even said the word genius. I'm like these guys, they know what's going on here. They 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 took your idea and said, no, we're gonna do this. That's right. And we're we don't care. Band. <laughs> <laughs> Unabashed. Well, that's what we do. I mean, like the Dunkin' Donuts. I just said, hey, you know. Fucking Radke would, you know, fit perfectly with those letters, <laughs> and let's let's make fucking Radke shirts. And that's probably one of your biggest sellers. Yeah, it's it's a popular one. <laughs> yeah, you won't go broke uh, catering to the fucking contingent. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I just figured you do knockoffs, and they tell you to stop, and you, maybe you get a little publicity for you know being told to stop. I don't know. Right. Well, you've got you you've got like a, a do you have a fishbone one too? Uh, no, we've got a Bad Brains. Bad Brains, that's what it is. W with the Kansas City Spires. <laughs> right, you got yeah. the Bad Brains one. And then we've um, got the Nirvana one with the three-eyed cat. Right. X'd out eyes, smiley face. And then is there another one? Uh, you got the yellow the card ones. <laughs> we got the yellow card <laughs> one. Right, right, exactly. Good callback. We got the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yeah, we've got, uh, <clears throat> we've got a few. Gabe's a huge Mighty Mighty Boston's fan. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate the people. I just think, you know, I, I don't like 2000 ska or 90s ska. 
but uh, oh really? Yeah. What ska do you like? Thirties ska? No, just the, the the island ska, the the stuff from the fifties and sixties. I, I kind of like listening to that stuff. Really, you do? I do. It just I've never heard you listen it. to it. The eighties English ska. No. Might I suggest a replacements "Let It Be" cover thing with the Radkey Boys up on a roof? <laughs> <laughs> just had to do it, huh, Ben? Yeah. Ben always has to bring other replacements. We're not saying it's yeah, getting dude. annoying, but what were you saying? Uh, we during the pandemic on our we started a Patreon and that kind of saved our saved our asses during that because the guy started doing like a monthly cover and just doing different stuff with fans through Patreon. That that was really a lifesaver for us. And then the Kickstarter we had Kickstarters for our last two albums. It just you know did great. So. Right. It's like, who needs a label? We can do this on our own. Right. You know, and it's it's like people are basically pre-ordering it. You know, they trust you enough right. to not deliver shit. It makes sense. Right. Huh. And then you get delayed two months waiting for the vinyl to arrive. Oh, Besides dude. That, How bad is that? It sucks. I mean, it's it's getting worse. Yeah. It's uh, two months. You you're gonna you're gonna pine. You're gonna long for the days of two months. Yep. Those yep. days are gone. What? How long are we looking at now, Gabe? I think we put the order in in like June, and it's some of the stuff's not coming until April. I mean, it's incredible. How do they get away with this? Isn't <laughs> yeah, it that we, one we, of the we, biggest or, or best record pressing plants burned down or something a year ago? I blame Jack White. <laughs> Have the boys ever gotten to meet their hero, Jack Black? The guy who got them. Yeah. Hi. Have they gotten to meet Jack Black? We, a- we haven't. Jack White, but not Jack Black. Well, that's just not good enough. I know. It's not good that that's not sufficient. That is. You know what? I, I met Jack Black once. And uh, it's not a good story. But here it comes. <laughs> so we go see Tenacious D. And uh, after the show... We we left. We we had our own little space. So by the time we left, it was very very late, mm-hmm. and we were leaving at the same time. Tenacious D was leaving, so we're, we're walking out, and Jack Black is walking out, and I think he was like dating Laura Keitlinger at the time or something. And and so it's Jack and Laura walking out, and all my friends are like, "Oh, Jack Black, you know, we we love the show. You're great, blah blah." It's like, this is our friend Scott. He's in a band. They're a two piece. They're called Local H. And Jack Black looks at me and he goes, oh, really? Were you influenced by the D? Oh, my God. That was the end of that story. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I just sl- so I slunk away. I was like, no. I was all like ready for him to be, hooray. No, it wasn't hooray. Yeah, Isaiah had a Deborah Harry moment where he was super pumped to meet her and he got shut down super hard. How? And he's still feeling that. Just, <laughs> just her, her, her security. Oh, really? St- stepped in. Yeah. And he just, he, I don't think he'll ever forget about that feeling. Well, wow. being so close and like, hey, I'm going to get to meet Deborah Harry and say hello and was not to be. Yeah, you know, we played a thing with her. Remember, Gabe, it was the HF Festival, and she was walking backstage. It was just her. There was no security, and I walked by, and I was like, oh, and I went, hi, and she went, hi, and I like just went jelly, and I like, fell down on the ground. I was like, oh, 
Yes, that's that's what would happen to I think most of us. Yeah, she doesn't need security. No, to, no. she doesn't. She just goes high, and you're done, son. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Matt. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, no problem. Hope this wasn't too painful for you. No, no, no. It's uh, you've had worse. Get a little radky history out there. Set the record straight. <laughs> right. Not exactly. some taskmaster who's. <laughs> I I'm almost I, I'm kind of disappointed that you're not though. You know. I mean, <laughs> well, but, I'd never admit to it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. All right. I get it. <laughs> <laughs>